Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon to you and yours, wherever you may be. Thank you so much for joining us on this Tuesday, August 30th, the year 2022. Mostly cloudy skies, 91 degrees, thunderstorms right around the corner. Welcome to summertime in the south. Uh, My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite. In the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on in Lake Charles, 1041. We are streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. And if you just happen to be near a television set in the Acadiana area, you can uh, flip it on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Let's go. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, NFL teams have to get down to a 53-player roster today. And with defensive back C.J. Gardner-Johnson appearing destined to hit free agency following this 2022 season, the New Orleans Saints said, well, you know, let's get proactive here. They were about $4 million apart per year. And they just couldn't get, I mean, that's crazy. So the Saints said, we want to get something rather than nothing. We don't want to get C.J. Gardner-Johnson to just leave after the year. We don't know how he's going to play without a contract, a long-term deal. So they traded him to the Philadelphia Eagles this morning. The Saints received a 2023 fifth-round pick and the worst of Philly's two 2024 sixth-rounders for Gardner-Johnson and a 2025 seventh-round pick. Um, Again, entering the final year of his rookie contract, this trade ends a three-year relationship. It's just the nature of the business. Uh, My buddy Jeff Duncan said they were about $4 million apart, and uh, it's business. What do you do? What do you do? Um, It's not fun. It's not great. But, hey, you got major deals looming with McCoy. You've got Marcus Davenport. Um, So the Saints decided to deal from a position of strength and move on rather than lose C.D. Deuce for nothing next spring. He was a fan favorite. I can still see him in the face of Tom Brady, right? You can still see it. Um, he was pesky. His personality on the field was was just perfect for the Saints fan base. Um, the other thing we saw was him kicking the, the Falcons logo on an end zone wall at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. So staring down Tom Brady, getting opposing players to take uh, an ill-advised swing at him, 
He he found himself in the camera's crosshairs, but no longer. He appeared in 43 regular season games for the Saints in his three seasons. He intercepted five passes, broke up 28. He was the Saints' starting slot defender. He was valuable as a run defender as well, 15 career tackles for loss. But business is business, and C.J. Gardner-Johnson now heading to the Philadelphia Eagles, who just cut their starting safety from a year ago, Harris, and Gardner-Johnson now not going to be a slot defender. He's going to be a safety for the Philadelphia Eagles. So there you go. More updates on the Saints, and they're uh, getting down to their roster limit of 53 later on in the program. The Houston Astros have placed their starting ace, Justin Verlander, on the injured list with a right calf injury. The team announced the move today, said that an MRI on the calf Monday revealed facial disruption, but no muscle fiber disruption. I don't know what the heck that means. Apparently, it's not as serious as once was thought. Uh, His stint on the injured list is retroactive to Monday. Remember, he was injured in his start Sunday while going to cover first base during a rundown in the third inning against the Baltimore Orioles. He's the leading candidate for the AL Cy Young Award. He lowered his major league leading ERA to 1.84 by throwing three scoreless innings before his exit on Sunday. Remember Verlander, who's 39 years young, returned this season after missing almost two seasons following Tommy John surgery. Entering Sunday's matchup with the Orioles, Verlander was 8-0 with a 1.35 ERA in his past 10 starts. Hope he gets back and is recovering uh, as the Astros head down the stretch. Uh, Coming up on the program today, Matthew Bruni will join us. We'll talk more about uh, the LSU Tigers as Brian Kelly, when asked uh, how he will uh, handle whichever quarterback doesn't get the starting nod, how's he going to keep him engaged? Kelly said, quote, it's not going to be put your helmet underneath the bench. You'll need your helmet on. We're going to be natural in the ability to kind of flip to the next play with the next quarterback. He called Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer, not quarterbacks one and two, but rather 1A and 1B, and said there's no dramatic difference between the two when it comes to play calling. So we'll deal more with LSU with Matthew Bruni. Corey Diaz will join us to talk about the Raging Cajuns as they get ready to take on the Southeastern Lions in the Cajuns' home opener this Saturday. We'll talk about that. Blake Lavelle will join us. We'll cover the Southeastern Conference as we begin our number two. Blake, of course, with at 14 Southeastern, Alabama versus at Texas, LSU, Florida State, other SEC games. We'll we'll chronicle those. And then Bob Rose in his normal Tuesday time slot with the black and gold report. Will the Saints be down to their 53-man limit? I think they have till 3 o'clock, so that will be perfect timing. Um, how will the Saints handle this week? Remember, they've got this week of practicing and then game prep for the Atlanta Falcons in their season opener on the 11th, which is a week from this Sunday, which is the debut of 
LSU football against Florida State. So how will they handle this week, plus a very special uh, Louisiana birthday wish to one of the all-time greats in one of the all-time great organizations? Yes. Uh, We are brought to you uh, today by the great folks at ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. There are 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. That's right. They're in your neighborhood. And um, they've got so much to offer. I mean, seriously. Uh, Their mission is simple. Serve you, the community, and seeing you, the community, their customers, leaving with a smile on your face. So whether your needs are fresh food, fuel, top-shelf wines or spirits, or just a quick pit stop, ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets look forward to serving you in their spacious stores that are filled with Louisiana products, their modern restrooms that are always impeccably clean and comfortable and delicious food that is always fresh and always fast. Plus, you can save. You can save inside the store by becoming a member of the Buku Rewards loyalty program. You can save at the pump as well. Um, The Gator Gas Program, you can earn cents off each and every gallon on every fuel purchase. All you have to do is go look at shoprite.org, S-H-O-P-R-I-T-E.org. You can learn how to become a Buku Rewards member. It's simple. It's easy. It's free. And you are the beneficiary of all the savings. Yes. So we've got three team, four teams that we cover here. Uh, LSU, the UL Ragin Cajuns, the McNeese State Cowboys, and the New Orleans Saints. That's in our wheelhouse. I don't know what to expect from LSU. New coaching staff coming off a bad season with a lot of new players in. They lost 10 uh, players to the NFL draft. How many times has that happened in the 6-6 six and six season? So the talent was there. They just needed a new coaching staff. How quickly can Brian Kelly and his staff get this going? There's an unknown at the quarterback position. There's unknowns across the board. How quickly will that secondary gel together? How good is that defensive front? Is the offensive line going to be able to open up holes for the running game and provide time for the quarterback? Lots and lots of and lots of questions, particularly when the only position that was really solidified on that offensive line was a true freshman. True freshman. So a lot of question marks. I don't know what to expect. New quarterback for the Raging Cajuns? Don't know what to expect. New quarterback for McNeese? Don't know what to expect. And even though he was there for a cup of coffee a year ago, We don't know what to really expect from Jameis Winston and the new pieces to the puzzle he has. That's why you play the games. And and we will find out sooner than later. Like everybody asks, who who do you think the quarterback's going to be for LSU? I don't know. I don't know. If I had to bet, I would say Jaden Daniels. But I don't know. I have no clue. But you know what? The tactical advantage will all come to a screeching halt Sunday night. The book is open. We will see, and we'll see how whoever it is performs. And that's all you can do. Spring game doesn't matter a thing. 
practices, yes, they matter. But now it's game time. I've seen a lot of players who are great in practice, and you turn those lights on and you keep score and you have officials that are watching and calling things. And, man, that pressure either bursts a pipe or it produces a diamond. I've seen it in both ways. Let me see the guys when the lights are on. Then we can find out who can and who can't. And we'll know who this coaching staff on all these teams, who they trust and who they think gives them the best chance to win. It's simple. It's easy. It's not, it's not brain surgery. It's not. So we can speculate till we're blue in the face. We really can. And anybody that says they know they, and, and predicting all these wins, eh, that's just a prediction. And everybody's entitled to it. And it makes for fun conversation. And it fills up minutes. I, 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 it, it only matters to me when they start playing for real. Plain and simple. So we'll find out. McNeese going up to Montana State. Tough. Tough, tough outing. UL hosting Southeastern. Don't sleep on the Lions. Florida State coming to LSU's home away from home, where they're seven and one um, in this in this century, uh, playing in New Orleans in that Superdome. Florida State's already got a game under their belt. What's the old cliche, right? You improve the most from game one to game two. We'll see. They ain't playing Duquesne this week. But what is LSU? So many questions. We'll find it all out. We'll lead you up all throughout the course of the week uh, to get you ready for kickoff. So with that in mind, we will start off our show. Matthew Bruni from uh, um, Go247 Sports. His thoughts on the Tigers and their opponent, the Florida State Seminoles. Remember back in the day? Man, what a run this has been for LSU. Remember when Bobby Bowden was running the show at Florida State, how they were just, for, for like, I don't know how many years in a row, they were in the top five in the country every year. Every year. Man, what a program it was. LSU doesn't want to sink back to where they used to be. Florida State trying to come up again. We shall see. All right. We'll get things underway after this timeout. The Jordy Helper Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for those LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Ah, the wait is almost over. A new football season's about to begin. Get ready for the NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. If you want more action for opening night, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up seven, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven, Seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly. Even if your team loses, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1037GAME only at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL must be 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Money line bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms licensee partner golden nugget lake charles gambling problem call 1-877-770 stop 
All right. We welcome in Matthew Bruni, who covers the LSU Tigers and does a bunch of other stuff. How you doing, MB? What's happening? MB, that's a, there you go. We got nickname to start the year. Yeah, uh, I'll come great. up with something better. Uh, I, I promise to come up with something better. You know, brunch with Brian, I don't know about that, or ketchup with Kelly, whatever. Um, uh, all right, so... Have you uh, have you have you been lurking around the facility asking players who the quarterback is? It doesn't matter, right? We'll find out. We'll find out Sunday. Yeah, yeah. It was it was interesting. Obviously, the the whole press conference was was yesterday, and when he said that he he would announce it because it wasn't uh, he wanted to have a tactical advantage, which is completely fair and probably the right thing to do because that yeah. is the whole thing, right? Florida State played Week One, and so they had to play a game, and that's you know, to their benefit in a lot of ways. And so I love the way he phrased it is our advantage is that we haven't played a game, right? So it's that we right. are arrested. It's that we um, haven't shown our hands at all. And with that being the case, I think that it was uh, a smart thing to do. And as much as he wants to say that the offense is, is similar with the two, which I think it is to a degree, I mean, they are different quarterbacks, Daniels and Nussmeyer, um, and they have different strengths. And so if Daniels is in, they'll have a lot more uh, probably uh, designed runs for him or at least designed option runs for him. And if not, then and that's a whole another aspect that the defense will have to prepare for. So it's going to be interesting, but I, I think I wasn't bothered at all by how he handled it. I think it's probably the right move. So I'm, I'm excited to see who it is. I agree uh, 100%. Do you get the impression that whoever that quarterback is, will that quarterback play the entire game, or do you think both quarterbacks will play at some point in time against Florida State? Uh, man, it's 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 tough. I think if it's Nussmeyer, I think both play. If it's Daniels and he performs to the caliber which we, you know, obviously hope and expect him to perform. I think that he could go. He'll he he'll go the all, all the whole way. Um, okay. But if it's if it's enough Meyer, then I, I would expect to see Daniels at some point, just in terms of running packages, just to throw him something off. And Kelly has used two quarterbacks in the past. I mean, he's changed out guys at halftime, at quarters, and yeah. so on and so forth. So we'll see how how he handles this one. I want to see if Brian Kelly changes uniforms coming out of the locker room at halftime like he used to do at Notre Dame. They come in with a blue jersey, come out with a green. I mean, I want to see if he does that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, we are talking with uh, Matthew Bruni. It seems to me in, in in Florida State's win, and take it with a grain of salt, Duquesne, okay, I get you. Uh, but they ran the football, and they ran it a lot. seems to me if – Unless Florida State was just throwing something out there to make LSU prepare abundantly for that, they're going to come up with a whole different game plan. I don't know. But it seems like Florida State's strength plays into LSU's strength. How does that defensive line, does it live up to the billing and uh, become the run stoppers and the, the dominant at the line of scrimmage group that we all hope they will be, right? Yeah, I mean... Having watched that Duquesne game pretty much twice, I watched it. I was watching it live, you know, on and off, and then I went back and rewatched it again. It's definitely um, an offense that didn't feel like it had to do too much, and they didn't. I mean, the running backs are really, really good, starting with Treshawn, Treshawn Ward and the other two backs that they have. All of them were breaking tackles left and right. Duquesne looked like they didn't have arms out there trying to tackle them. So it was a. Uh, it was really easy for Florida State to move the ball on the ground, and they kept going to it. And I think that's 
Brian Kelly kind of alluded to it, it starts with their run game, and that sets Jordan Travis up. If they can run the ball effectively, Jordan Travis is going to be able to pick his spots. And that's what all, mm-hmm. that's what all quarterbacks want, right? You want yeah. to pick your spots for the most part. You want to be balanced in an offense. But uh, with Travis's arm and his legs and just how dynamic he can be, if he doesn't have to carry the weight of the offense, um, it's going to be tough for LSU to – to to contain him and to keep him under wraps. So that's where it's going to start is can you limit that three-headed monster run game that Florida State had? I don't I didn't think the offensive line for the Knolls looked great in that game. There there were some some moments where the running backs definitely bailed them out, but mm-hmm. still it's going to be something that they're going to have to uh LSU's going to have to prepare for and that's what like you said the whole offseason's been this defensive line's the best in the country. Well, let's let's we'll see, see it. Yeah, um Again, LSU opening up with its fourth defensive coordinator in as many seasons. What kind of learning curve is that? I, 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 you've seen them practice uh, some little snippets here, longer versions as well. Uh, I, I haven't seen them a lick, uh, and that's fine. I'll see them on Sunday. But I, there's so many question marks to me. I don't know what to expect from this team can you can you uh, I'm, I'm on the couch and you are my therapist um matthew bruni can you can you ease my speculation and tell me what you anticipate from this from the team because i think there's going to be growing pains i think there's going to be some sloppy play every now and then that's just kind of what i feel but what do you feel yeah, I think that would be a safe assumption, but I, I do go into this trusting Matt House a lot. Um, just watching him, uh, those Kentucky defenses that he had, and um, even in Kansas City, he had a pretty big role on that Chiefs defense, um, you, you know, and how they played. So I, I think he's a really good coordinator. I said it before, I trust him more than Denbrock at this point. Denbrock has to prove it to me more than House does. I think House is a certified guy uh, that did I mean to take Kentucky to the level that he took them to, yeah. and to come over here with BJ Ojolari? I think a huge strength will be BJ Ojolari. That's the first thing I'm looking for: is how do they use him and how effective is he in that role? Because I watched Josh Allen at Kentucky put up 17 sacks. Are we going to be talking 12 sacks from BJ? Are we going to be talking 10? Are we going to talk eight? Um, that's a huge indicator for this defense because that's when this defense is clicking is when they can get pressure from that jack spot. Um, and then the linebackers. Mike Jones and Greg Penn, I mean, they'll be the starters, and that's where I have to see it. That's where you have to see Matt House's defense, how they use linebackers, how aggressive they are, you know, how much they drop into coverage. Um, I I think they're going to be fine. I think Penn is more of the aggressive, you know, tackle guy who will rack up tackles. Jones will be a little bit more coverage-oriented, but cover the whole field. And then the, the cornerback spot, you know, they still had those four guys battling for two spots last we last time we were at practice. So we'll see who gets out there first. I, I would anticipate a lot of zones to start, maybe play a little safe early on and just let the defensive line create the pressure and kind of play off of them. And but but overall I, I trust Matt House to um to put this defense in a good position going forward. I, I just trust him a lot going into the season. That's good. I mean, a, a secondary that had so much promise before injuries and transfers with Derek Stingley Jr., Elias Ricks, Cordell Flott. They still rank 99th in the FBS in quarterback rating allowed, and now they've got all these transfer portal additions to work out how that secondary, and I've said it from day one, how they gel, how they communicate, how they how they have a feeling of, of where they're 
teammate is going to be at all times. Man, that takes time to to develop and to gel. Uh, so we'll see. Man, it, it would be nice, wouldn't it, Matthew Bernie, if LSU could um, – come out and have like a 2018-like showing to kick off the season by trouncing another school from the Sunshine State in a neutral site matchup on Sunday night, like they did to the Miami Hurricanes not too long ago. No. Yeah. It, it, would, be, it would be nice. I'm trying my best not to um, get my expectations too high because last year, obviously, it was like, oh, UCLA, you know, they'll be fine. Um, <laughs> this year, I... I'm trying to look at everything as straightforward as possible. Florida State is going to be a really, really tough team. They already played a game. Uh, mm-hmm. Travis is, is, I think, a lot better than he was last year at the quarterback position, which um, will force LSU's quarterback to obviously match him in certain situations. And I do think Daniels and Nussmeyer can do that. Um, but I, I do one specific matchup I'll be looking for as well, which I haven't been brought up, is I wasn't overly impressed with Florida State's corners. They weren't over the bear. I think they were five eleven and six foot, and they weren't. Um, they didn't look as physical as I expected them to. So maybe Jack Besh, uh, Kayshawn can can get loose there. Um, I want to see the receivers for LSU and how they match up against Florida State's corners because I think that could be something that Ben Brock can can take advantage of early. So that's that's something else I'm looking at. Yeah, uh, Brian Kelly said they'll probably see seven or eight receivers out there, and having Jack Besh back after those shin splints, uh, he said it provided the kind of flexibility that they needed the position. Quote, now we can move around guys to get suitable matchups. So um, Kelly's not afraid to throw the football. He's got that. That's the strength of this team. It looks like with the wide receiver group, particularly right, that Malik Neighbors uh, is going to be good to go to practice today. Uh, We'll begin some light drill work and he'll be ready to go on Sunday that's that's key he was the he was the star of camp yes I mean for me he was the second best receiver throughout camp so I mean to get him back I think he'll, he'll the expectation is he'll be 100% um like you said you pair him with with Besh and then Boutte and I mean like until they have seven receivers um out here and Kyron Lacey and go down the list uh of guys, Brian Thomas and whatnot. So that's again, it's going to be on the quarterback, whoever they they pin as the the quarterback to make some throws. And I think at times you can even throw those fifty fifty balls at times because you have that good of receivers out there. So that's something Florida State doesn't have the luxury of doing. They don't their receiver their receiver core is not nearly as strong as LSU. So that's where a lot more is on Jordan Travis' shoulders, and that's why it comes back on the run game for them. Uh, a new kicker. No, no longer do we have the luxury of the of the Cade Yorks and the Cole Tracys and those guys. We got a new kicker coming in, so that's always a question mark. They still haven't settled on who's going to kick off. Uh, you got a transfer that's punting, so there's a lot of question marks for um, uh, Polian, uh, the special teams coach. So we'll see. Oh, with all that said, and what you've seen, what you've seen of Florida State, um, the fact that they're playing. In the Superdome, where LSU in this century is like seven and one in that building, uh, what do you think? Give me—is it going to be a, a defensive-oriented game? Is it going to be a high-scoring game? What do you think? And who you got? I always forget. I forgot from last year. I always have to come on here and give my prediction here first. That's then, right, baby. Then, then right. do it. Um, give me, give me LSU. I actually think there'll be more points scored than expected. I think the overrun is at like fifty-two. And yeah. I, I could see see the over there. I, I think 
it will take some time for LSU's defense to probably get adjusted. Um, I want, I really want to see the corners and how they do. So give me give me LSU in a little bit more of a higher scoring game, like a give me thirty eight twenty one thirty. I'm sorry, thirty eight thirty one. There you go. Whoa. High scoring game. Woo! Yeah, man. All right, I'll put that down. Matthew with a thirty eight thirty one. Oh man, ask me on Tuesday. Tuesday and the game gonna... is in, in the game is in five days. All right, let's do it. All right, I'm just going to put it down in pencil, big guy. Thank you, Matthew. Always great talking to you, buddy. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, appreciate it. Thanks. Anytime. All right, take care. We'll take a quick time out here. We'll come back. Uh, the Lions are are coming to Cajun Field. Corey Diaz will preview the Raging Cajuns in Southeastern after this timeout. The Jordy Helford Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Stay with us. And we're back 37 minutes after the hour. The Raging Cajuns get their season underway with their new head coach of a very familiar name, part of the staff, a great hire. Michael Decimo will start his tenure as the head coach of the Raging Cajuns. And they, um, much like the next couple of years, you know, in 2024, they'll open up against Grambling. They're renewing a series with McNeese in 2025. Uh, But now they will be taking on the Lions from southeastern Louisiana right down the road in Hammond. Here's Coach Dez talking about the opening opponent. You look at their team across the board, they've got good players all over the place. And, shoot, you go back to 2017, we played them here. I mean, they've played FBS teams every year really, really close. And they're going to come out here, and they're not the stage won't be too big for them. They're going to come out ready to play. And that's really what you want, right? The competitive games help to get you ready for conference play. At the end of the day, the goal every year is to win your division and conference, and you have to prepare for that. And so I think playing a team like Southeastern that you know this game's going to mean a lot to their staff, to their players, and you know they're going to come out here and play really good football. So for us, it's, it's a great thing. Um, getting to play at home, home opener to an in-state team is always huge. You know, it's great for our crowd, great for our fan base, great for our players. Love it. Love it. Uh, he covers the Cajuns for the Lafayette Daily Advertiser. The cool cat, Corey Diaz, kind enough to join us. Corey, thanks for the time, man. How you doing, buddy? Jordy, doing well. What's going on, man? We missed you last week. Yeah, I had to get a little R&R, man. I just had to get away for a little bit, get ready for this season. But we are back and better than ever. Um LSU hasn't named their starting quarterback, but the Cajuns did. Tell me how Chandler Fields won the starting quarterback job. What did he do that stood out as compared to his opposition? Yeah, sure. You know, um, you know, coming out of the you know the final team scrimmage, um, you know, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. Um, you know, obviously that that competition between. Uh, Chandler and Ben Woolridge was still going on, um, but you know, but but Des did, did mention something uh, that following Monday, you know, when he did announce, um, you know, Chandler as their starting quarterback, and they were going to move forward with you know game plan and getting ready for opponents and things of that nature with him at taking QB one reps during practice. Uh, you know, he said that you know things started to kind of take shape uh, you know, a little earlier uh, during preseason practice. Um, you know, he mentioned he felt like, uh, you know, in order to play you know, the quarterback position, you know, at this level, um, you know, you have to go out there trying to play 
to win football games as opposed to, you know, playing to try not to lose football games. And I, and I think that one sentence and all that, that, that Michael Desimo said about the quarterback battle um, kind of said it all. And, and being able to be out there, because it was really the first time that we was able to watch, you know, uh, more than 14 minutes of practice uh, and actually watch a little bit of, you know, good on good and 1v1 and things of that nature as opposed to just individual drills. But, uh, you know, we were kind of able to see the quarterbacks work, you know, and I, I stood behind both Chandler and Ben, you know, a lot during that second team scrimmage, uh, just just watching them, you know, watching their progression, see how they went through their reads, uh, how reactionary were they in the pocket, how, uh, you know, were they scary with their feet, were they – really sure and confident and, and not mm-hmm. only the protections but also the you know kind of what they were seeing and delivering the throws and on time um and i, I thought just from that that two plus hour window that we got uh i i walked off the field from the indoor practice facility that day thinking to myself that chandler fields was the quarterback that gave this team the better chance to win football games and sure enough a couple of days later you know uh des makes that announcement but i thought that you know, for me personally, and, and a lot of these things were echoed by Dez as well, was, you know, it was the timing. Um, you know, it was the confidence. Uh, it was, you know, being able to see open receivers and deliver the ball and not, not have that hesitation, which I felt like Woolrich had for much of the scrimmage, you know, that particular Saturday. And, and then, of course, too, uh, you know, I think there's, there, of course, Dez wouldn't say this, but I do think there's a little bit of affinity between Dez and, and Chandler because I do think their playing styles are very similar. You know, I think huh. Chandler's a, you know, he, he was described as kind of a Brett Favre-esque, you know, type player. And, um, you know, and I think I think Desimo played that way, you know, when he was at UL, but he played the same way. So I think there's, a, there's kind of a way that they, I like it. they seamlessly can make this work. I like it. Uh, Corey Diaz with us. You would think with a new coach and a new starting quarterback that um, you would think that UL would go back to its bread and butter, and that's run, run, run. You you think differently, don't you? I do, Jordy. I, I do. Um, the, the issue or the concern, concern is probably a better word there, but the concern that I have with Last with uh, UL's running game is the lack of experience and depth behind Chris Smith at running back. Yeah, uh, you know, listen, Chris Smith is is special, and and I do think he's an NFL caliber running back, and I do think, you know, whether he decides to come out early and declare after this season, or if he decides to come back for one more year next year and finish out his, uh, you know, his time with the Cajuns next year, but I do think he will get a shot in the league, but. Behind him, Jordy, who do you have? You know, who is a who is a guy that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you can count on to give you, you know, a dozen carries a game. Right. And I'm not sure at this point, you know, that that Des and offense coordinator Tim Leger, I don't think they feel like they know who that person is just yet. Now maybe after a couple of weeks, you know, they'll obviously have a better idea and maybe they'll have some more confidence, um, you know, within that running back room with, with Jacob Cabote and, and Terrence Williams who for all intents and purposes, has had a really good preseason uh, uh, camp. But again, you know, Terrence is just not experienced. He doesn't have a lot of snaps during games. Um, how is he going to react in some of these situations that they'll eventually find themselves in? Um, 
you know, how will they execute? How how will they hold up, you know, in, in the place where they're going to need these guys to pass protect, which is the hardest thing for a college running back to do, right? These are right. these are kind of the questions that I have about the, yep. you know, the, the running back group as a whole. And, and two, when you look at the other side of the coin, right, I mean, UL is absolutely loaded at the wide reception with Michael Jefferson and Peter LeBlanc. Uh, you know, Errol Rogers and, and John Stevens Jr. And, and Jordy, I could go on and on and on because mm-hmm. that's how deep and talented the, wow. the receiving core is. And, and I think, I think despite, you know, Chandler being a, a, a first time starter, uh, come Saturday, you know, his first game, first collegiate start, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if first three or four play calls on offense. Doesn't work. Uh, Just, you know, okay, quick, quick, quick tempo passes. Get the ball out of his hand quickly. Get okay. the ball into your playmaker's hands. And we hadn't even mentioned the tight ends, right? With Johnny Lumpkin and Neil Johnson, those two are there's two two more special weapons right yeah. there. So yeah. uh, I think we'll see a lot of quick passes. Uh, especially early in this season, just to get some timing down, get some confidence in Chandler, get some confidence, you know, uh, along the offensive line as well, which I think is actually going to be a lot better than some people may think it is. Um, I was, was going yeah, to ask you about that. I was going to ask you about that because the uh, quarterback's best friend is a running game, but to have a running game, you got to have an offensive line that opens up holes. Then you can do play action, and then they got to pass protect. Um, new faces in there. Um, first off, has that starting offensive line been named? Is there continuity there? And what's the depth look like behind that starting group? Yeah, no, uh, you know, no official naming of starters along the offensive line just yet. Uh, okay. We are scheduled to get uh, our first official uh, two deep depth chart after practice tomorrow evening, um, okay. and, I'm, and I'm assuming there will be some starters listed there. But you know, from what we've, uh, you know, what we saw during that that second team scrimmage uh, a couple weekends ago, uh, and even dating back before that, in, in some in some windows of media periods that we've had, you know, I spent some time watching those guys, um, and, and I think the the progression and development an improvement between practice one through what I was able to observe in that te- in that second team scrimmage was I-, I would argue that the offensive line is probably the most improved unit on the team. Mm. Uh, and I-, I think this group is actually uh, – I-, I think they're ready to go, Jordy. I think this is a group that, you know, despite having uh, three NFL draft picks in the last three or four drafts, if I'm not mistaken, All right. Corey Diaz is kind enough to join us. He thinks that's going to be a strength. Talks about the wide receiver position, how good that is. Um, and you have all the confidence in the world in Coach Dez to, to be able to – look, it, it's all – it's impossible to – duplicate what what's been happening and four consecutive years of winning their division uh last year winning the whole uh sunbelt conference and and putting the best season i think in the history of ul football it's the expectations uh once you get to that point it's hard to to lower those standards but um i'm going to ask you again you've had more time to think about it What's a respectable season for this team when you know you have to play a Florida State on the road? And you know the Sunbelt Conference, again, has had some new additions. It's going to be a tougher league with Southern Miss in this thing. What, what's a what's a, a successful season in your book? Oh, I think we lost him. Oh, oh well. 
Anyway, okay. We uh, we thank Corey Diaz for coming on. Uh, again, it's uh, 6 o'clock, Cajun Field. Um, home opener as the Southeastern Lions come to town. Uh, they've got questions on Thursday. We're going to take you behind enemy lines. We're going to talk about the Lions. Uh, we're going to talk about the Seminoles. Um, and we're going to talk about uh, Montana State for all you McNeese fans. So that's coming up on Thursday. Plus, we'll have picks with uh, Michael Huguenin. We're off tomorrow because of Astros baseball. So we'll move hump day with Huguenin to Thursday, get his college picks. Uh, we'll have Frank Schwab on to talk about the NFL cut days going on. And again, the big story uh, CJ Gardner Johnson, they couldn't come to terms on a long term contract rather than letting him play this season and go into free agency and get nothing in return they traded him to the philadelphia eagles for some draft picks down the road so uh, we'll talk to bob rose about that coming up in our number two we'll take a time out here uh we'll come back we'll wrap up our number one of the jordy helford show brought to you by Shoprite tobacco plus discount outlets um man if you're a buku rewards member you can continue to save money and they've added a few rewards program where you can earn a significant fuel fill-up discount just through your store purchases. And in addition, if you join the new Gator Gas program, you can earn additional cents off per gallon on every fuel purchase. So in essence, in layman's terms, you become a Buku Rewards member, you're going to save in the store, you're going to save at the pump, you're going to save, period. Man, if you can't shop right at ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets, I'm telling you, you just can't shop right at all. We'll be back. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, football season is here, right? Uh, you can tell. And the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to crown you the tailgating king with the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. You can score $500 to chop specialty meats, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Rage and Cajun football games, and so much more. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and The Game. Well, um, Serena Williams playing what is likely the final tennis tournament of her story career open singles play with a 6-3-6-3 victory over Danka Kovinic in the first round of the U.S. Open at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Uh, Williams will open up doubles play with her sister Venus tomorrow. And at the same time, after that, she'll face world number two Annette Kontavit of Estonia in the singles round of 64. That's on Wednesday, and that's their first career meeting. When it's done, she's evolving away from tennis to do other things. So, um, um, good luck to Serena. The crowds have been 
have been terrific. So uh, good luck to her on that one. Now, look, I know I know that tickets are tough to get by. Um, if you didn't get tickets to LSU season opener against Florida State in the Superdome, no worries. You still can have a great time by coming out to Twin Peaks on Johnson Street this Sunday from 6 to 8. You can enjoy ice-cold beverages, burgers, hang out with Crunch Time host Matt Miguez. It's the game's LSU watch party at Twin Peaks on Johnson Street this Sunday night. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, and scenic views. Uh, coming up, our number two of the program, uh, Blake Lavelle will join us from at 14 Southeastern um, to talk all about the SEC as they get their uh, campaign underway. The big, uh, the big test, of course, will be um, Alabama, Texas. That's what uh, everybody wants to see, um, and and rightly so. So we, we will see how that all unfolds um, coming up. And of course, the big game of the week is well. That's not that's um, the big game of the week is uh, Notre Dame and Ohio State. That's the that's the big one. So uh, stay tuned for that and much much more. So we'll talk to Blake Lavelle about all of that stuff coming your way. All right, our number one's in the books. Our number two straight ahead. This is the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour number two of two, and away we go on this Tuesday, August 30th. The year 2022, we covered the Tigers. We covered the Raging Cajuns in our number one. The SEC gets underway with a pair of Thursday nighters and some really, really intriguing first game matchups. So I thought there's no one better to get. And then our good friend from at 14 Southeastern, uh, the great Blake Lavelle, to talk about the opening week one of SEC football. Blake, man, it's great to get back with you, buddy. How have you been? Yeah, doing well, Jordy. Like you said, it's uh, it's here. Of course, we had a kind of emphatic start for Vanderbilt against a not-so-great Hawaii team um, mm. over the weekend. But, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of this plays out here in week one. So. Yeah, Vandy put a 63 spot on the board. They beat Hawaii 63 to 10. Uh, Ball State and Tennessee gets underway on Thursday. I think a sneaky good game. You can never sleep on Louisiana Tech as uh, uh, the Bulldogs travel to Missouri to take on the Tigers. Man, that would uh, that's an interesting game to me. I don't know how you feel about it, but it's uh, it's not going to be an easy one. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll start with that. I mean, Missouri, like you said, I think it's a team that. Look, I mean, we saw defensively what they were last season. I mean, obviously they got a lot better in the second half, whereas, you know, in the first half of the season they were giving up points left and right. Of course, Tennessee put up whatever it was on 60-something. Um, the defense got a little bit better, but I think that's still the question heading into this uh, for Missouri is, you know, you've got some starters back from a, a defense that did improve. 
Um, and it's just a matter of, you know, can you keep taking the, the right step in that right. area? And I think that's the big question for Missouri. Um, you know, I think they added several transfers, guys that, you know, played at FBS schools, and um, I think that should help them on the defensive line and their pass rush, which will be important. Let's be honest, in a game like this, I mean, you know what you're getting from Louisiana Tech. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a high-powered, you know, offensive-type system. Yep. Um, yep. You know, Sonny Cumbie's going to come in there and as the interim coach from Texas Tech, and they're, they're going to run the air raid, and they're going to try to get the ball, you know, all around the field, and I think that's going to present some challenges for Missouri. So, yeah, I'm with you. You know, we talked about this game a couple of weeks ago, and I think then at the time, Missouri was about a three-touchdown favorite. I just said, ooh. I said, that's, to me, that's ooh, way no too way. high um, for a Missouri I'm team that you. gave up that many points last season. So I'm with you. Um, interesting, Oregon has to travel to take on Georgia. The Oregon head coach used to be one of the coordinators for Georgia and Georgia coming off a national championship game, uh, a win and expected to contend for another one again. Do you give Oregon much? Is this going to be a blowout in your opinion? You know, it's an interesting game because I mean, let's, I think we have to be realistic with Georgia and and look, they're going to reload, but they have a lot to replace. And I think, you know, that's something to me that you, you can't ignore with this team, despite them being the reigning national champions. There's a lot of pieces to replace. But, again, we know that they're going to be replaced by a lot of talent. And I think that it's going to be a situation where, you know, like you said, you've got a, a guy in Dan Landing taking over at Oregon. And what an interesting scenario to, to take your new job and the first thing you do is play your, wow. your former team who, yeah. you know, won the national championship and you were a, you were a part of that. So it's kind of a an interesting dynamic there. But I think it is something where – would I be surprised if Georgia were to get off to a, a slow start? And by slow start, I don't mean losing this game. I just mean, could there be some things that this team is having to kind of figure out to replace some of those those key players uh, on both sides of the ball? Again, guys who went to the NFL um, were those kind of caliber players. Are they going to be able to have a lot of those guys' spots figured out this early? I think they'll be fine. Again, I say that long-term. you know. But again, I wouldn't be shocked if initially – there is some feeling out for the Georgia um, you know, staff and trying to figure out some of these different spots. So I think Georgia wins. Um, yeah. I don't think it's just – I don't think it's a blowout by any means. I think, again, I think Oregon's a pretty quality team and will certainly be very good this season. Um, but I I wonder just, you know, about kind of what we see from Georgia. Their defense will be so good, though, that I think that they'll be able to probably overcome uh, any any sluggish start they would have in a game like this. Uh, one of two matchups between top 25 teams, Georgia ranked number three, Oregon ranked number 11. I think if it was in Eugene in Oregon, might be a different yeah. story as far as what the spread would be. But I think Georgia win. I think they I think, like you said, I think they settled in. Uh, and after maybe a, a hiccup, a rough start, uh, I think they they go ahead and uh, win this thing handily not not a blowout but handily i'm i'm really intrigued by the next one 23rd ranked cincinnati of course they had that dream season a year ago they got to the final four and the the hard charging hogs of coach Pittman, who are ranked number 19 in the country he says this week one top 25 matchup has fueled his team uh is arkansas uh legit this year i i really like this arkansas team i think it's um you know, I just, I do. I think it's a team that they're going to be able to do a lot of things. I feel like on the ground, um, you know, you kind of look at what they did last year in the rushing attack. And obviously, um, I think you just kind of look at, I, there's just something about this Arkansas team. And I think it is Sam Pittman. You mentioned him. Like, it's 
it's one of those where I think when he was hired, a lot of us just kind of were like, all right, this is not maybe that splash hire that some of these people are going to make, but it felt like the right fit. And it was just a matter of seeing what he could do with that roster. And clearly he's rebuilt the roster uh, to be able to, I think, sustain that kind of success in the SEC. And I think this year may be the kind of year we see that happen, you know, build off of what they did last season. Um, And, you know, this is a Cincinnati team too. We have to, again, look at this team where they're losing a lot of talent. And I think it's one where, you know, we know this was a team last year. They got where they got to. Um, but I think they're going to have to replace some of that. And it it's not the same as Georgia, but there may be some similarities where you look at a Cincinnati team that maybe tries to, to figure out, you know, some pieces on defense early on. Um, and I think Arkansas, their, their front on defense, I think will really be a big part of this um, and really be able to, to kind of disrupt some things. So I, I think Arkansas wins this game. Like I said, I, at SEC West, we know how it's going to be, Jordy. It's going yeah. to be really tough from top to bottom. Uh, good luck trying to pick the order of finish. Uh, I would stay away from any any bet. If there's any you know betting service out there that has a bet on how to predict the order of finish in the SEC West, I want no part of it. But I tell you, I think Arkansas might be the the second or third best team uh, in that division behind Alabama. So. It might very well be Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. Welcome to Power 5 football, Billy Napier. The Florida Gators open up <laughs> at home as seventh-ranked Utah, a pick, a team that many are picking to be that team that cracks into the Final Four and the playoffs this year, and Billy Napier has to take a Florida team and, and host them. Woo, what a, what a <laughs> debut. Yeah, I'll I'll give you. Uh, we haven't released our week one power rankings yet on our on our videos for our YouTube channel, but we're going to do that tomorrow. And we put all of our individual staff rankings together today, and this will kind of give you an idea of what we think of Florida. We had Florida at eleventh in the SEC Ooh. entering the season, and I think it's just a situation where we all want to see this first, and I think we want to see. You know, look, we we know kind of where Florida was before. Billy Napier was hired. And I think it's not the hire itself. It's just a matter of, I think, where they are right now as a program and maybe just the overall state of the roster. I think they are a team that's probably going to be in transition. Um, I I don't see them just, again, me looking at it on paper, I don't see Florida as a team with the best chance to challenge Georgia in the East. I think it's either Tennessee or Kentucky. I'd put Florida behind both of those teams right now. Um, And I just think this is one where, like you said, this is not a Utah team that is coming in um, under the radar. This is a very good team, uh, and I think even though this is you know a game away from home in Gainesville, uh, it will be a rowdy atmosphere. I just think Utah's a better team, and I think this is probably one of those games where Richardson's going to be fun to watch with this Florida offense, and I think that's where things can turn very quickly in terms of them rising up the SEC ladder, but I just really want to see that first before I'm willing to give Florida any kind of edge over a Utah team that, like I said, really could challenge for a, a college football playoff spot. I don't know when Vanderbilt's won two games in a row in college football, but they should. They've got Elon coming to uh, Nashville. Alabama will rout Utah State. But of these next two games, Memphis at Mississippi State and Georgia State at South Carolina. Don't ever sleep on yeah. Georgia State. I think these are two interesting games. Uh, I think I think maybe closer than the so-called experts think. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think South Carolina's in a good spot. You know, Spencer Rattler comes in at quarterback, but I think this is a Georgia State team. You know, it's funny because we, we've done all of our week one previews, and um, this has been one of the most highly contested 
ones we've had in terms of just the reaction to it, because there are a lot of people who feel like, you know, Georgia State could be in a spot to, I don't know if they're going to win this game, but they're going to make it interesting. And we've seen that happen before, of course, with them. Um, So that is one that that I think is going to kind of be fascinating. Mississippi State, to me, I said, like of the the four teams, you know, I would put Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Auburn, LSU. To me, it's like, I don't know what to do with those four teams, because I think they could finish in any order in the SEC West, and I wouldn't be surprised, because I don't know that there's a ton that separates those four teams right now, in my opinion. Some people are higher on Ole Miss. Some people are higher on Auburn, LSU. I think I might lean towards Mississippi State of that group of four, and the reason why is they're going to be one of the most experienced teams in the league this year. We know the challenges you're going to face with that offense, plus you've got a little more experience in that offense now. Um, So I'm very intrigued by this team. And, of course, we know, Jordy, how that game finished last year between Mississippi State and Memphis, that wild uh, special teams play and kind of how that all unfolded. So I think Mississippi State set up for a pretty nice season. I really like their defense. Um, and I think this would be a, a nice statement for them to come out and really take care of business and get the Memphis team that okay. I think will be good, but I think Mississippi State should be the better team. Makes makes sense. Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. Uh, it's the only game in town on a Sunday. Florida State travels <laughs> to New Orleans in the Superdome. LSU's home away from home. They're seven and one inside that building in this past century. They've won a they've won three national championships in that building. Uh, it'll be packed with purple and gold, but. I live in this town. I have absolutely no clue what to expect from LSU. New staff, so many new players, transfers, new quarterback, uh, which we don't know who it's going to be yet. Uh, but there's so many unknowns to me. Um, what, what What's your synopsis of the Seminoles and the Tigers? Yeah, I tell you, LSU is we we kind of dubbed them as the most fascinating team in the league getting into the season because we have no idea what to expect. And <laughs> when we right. did all of our staff uh, rankings for the one through fourteen, you you should have seen where we had. I mean, everybody had LSU in a different spot. Like it was just it was all across the board because I don't think anyone knows exactly. And you're right. Um, I think what we know with LSU, and I think heading into this game, what I like about it is that. I think the talent's there, and I don't know if the depth necessarily is what it's been, you know, in some of those seasons past, and um, I don't know if the top-level playmaking ability is there either, but I do think there's playmakers there, and especially I look at that wide receiver group. Yeah. Uh, that defensive front to me is one that I think will definitely be able to help them this year should the offense, you know, have some starts and stops at times. Uh, again, we don't know what to expect from the offense as of right now. We know there's a really good, talented group at wide receiver. Uh, beyond that, there's some there's some good players, but – you know, again, I think there's just so many unknowns, but I think the defense, at least up front, may be able to to really help them. You know, push things in the right direction, take, force some of those takeaways, get a pass rush. That will really help. I think the you know the offense as well. So I think LSU is in a position to win this game. I, I really believe that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Florida State to me is kind of another team where I don't. It's the same things where like, I don't know exactly what to expect from Florida State, even studying them for the past month. Like I feel like there's a lot that we need to kind of figure out with Florida State. So um, I think LSU has the edge here. But like you said, to me, this is, I mean, and look, every game's important when you're playing in the SEC. But you talk about such a fascinating and important game just from the standpoint of looking ahead for LSU. If you can come yeah. out and get, you know, sort of your emphatic week one win here over Florida State, you look ahead and there is that opportunity, you know, for this team to reel off a lot of wins to start the season, even if, yep. 
this is still a team that's in a work in progress. If you can reel yep. off, you know, four or five straight wins to start the season, you know, you've got Auburn, LSU, Tennessee in there, Mississippi State will be tough. But, um, I mean, to me, that's going to definitely exceed expectations just because we all are kind of going into the season not exactly knowing what to expect from this team. Give me one team, Blake Lavella will close on this, out of all the teams playing in the SEC this weekend, and they all are, is there one team that should be on upset alert? Oh, boy. Um, I mean, I I would probably – I mean, I would – we talked about Missouri. I, I don't know how big of an upset that would be. Um, I think that's one that, again, is, okay. is probably a little bit interesting just from that vantage point um when you look at that i mean we kind of talked about the mississippi state memphis situation i just think mississippi state's a better team uh-huh alert story i mean I, you know if this was last year's sam houston state team i may give them you know on the upset potential with texas a&m but it's not i think nah. that's the sam houston state team that's got to replace yeah. them maybe jordy we should go back to where we talked about and, and maybe that is a georgia state south carolina type setup there that may be okay. one to watch um, because of really all the others, like you said a minute ago, I think all the rest of them, to me, seem like um, wouldn't be major upsets. But I think teams, you know, at the top, Alabama, Tennessee, uh, teams like that, I think they take care of business. You're the best. I can't thank you enough, man. <laughs> you know your stuff. Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. Enjoy week one of SEC football starting on Thursday. Thank you, Blake. Sounds, sounds great, Jordy. Thanks. He's the best. Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. We'll take a time out here. When we come back, it's the Black and Gold Report with our good friend Bob Rose. Stay with us. We'll be back. Uh, but first, since we're talking the NFL, the wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for the NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. You want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up seven. You win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice. And if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1037GAME only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana, select parishes only. Bonuses issued as free bets. One win, one early win token issued at opt-in money line bets only deposit and wagering restrictions apply eligibility and terms at draftkings.com slash football terms licensing partner golden nugget lake charles gambling problem call 1-877-770 stop we're back after this it's time for jordy to march into some new orleans saints talk with saints news network's bob rose here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, we are back, and uh, timing is everything. It's cut-down day. Got to get to 53 people. Big story out there. We'll talk about that in a second. But before we get to Bob, here's, um, here's Dennis Allen talking about today, cut-down day. This is probably the hardest week of the year just because I know what these guys put into getting themselves ready to be a football player. 
uh, and play in the National Football League, whether it's here or somewhere else. It, you know, it's important to a lot of guys, and it's it's challenging, and there's a human element to it. But at the end of the day, we got a great game, but we have a, a really tough business, and this is part of the tough business part. And part of the tough business part, we welcome in Bob Rose from the Saints News Network. Bob, great to see you, my friend. How are you? Uh, great to see you too, Jordy. Uh, look, my head is swimming. It's been a crazy last uh, last couple of hours. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. Um, business is business. It sucks sometimes, but it is what it is. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, they apparently Jeff Duncan came said they were about $4 million apart uh, as far as what C.J. believed he was worth and what the Saints believed they should pay. And because they didn't want him to walk away after this season and get nothing in return, they make a trade to the Philadelphia Eagles. Your thoughts? Uh, look, you, you and I you know, speculated over the last three or four months that the Saints are liable to have a big problem trying to get C.J. Gardner-Johnson re-signed after the year. So when you look at the contract demands and what Je- you know, what our friend Jeff Duncan is saying, how far apart uh, you know, Gardner-Johnson, his representatives, and the Saints were – Looking at it from that perspective, it's not surprising that the Saints made a move like this. Uh, you know, like like you said, you know, to to move on from him and get something for value for him back. I'm a little bit upset at the lack of compensation they got back, uh, which is a 2023 fifth round pick and a 2024 yeah. sixth round pick. Uh, but it also makes me believe, given what Chauncey Gardner Johnson's contract demands apparently are. Obviously, there weren't a lot of other teams that were willing to take on that responsibility. Point. Uh, and yeah, the fact that they you know got two very low draft picks for such a good player, and they had to trade him to a team that they're very liable to be in very close playoff contention with within their own conference says loads about the the trade market for Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Now, what I'm not concerned about is the roster, okay. uh, yeah, at, least, at least at that position. It's a position of strength. Uh, I mean, we know how good this starting four is. But you also have P.J. Williams, uh, Alante Taylor, who they're very high on, right. Justin Evans, who I thought had a spectacular preseason, uh, and, you know, and Bradley Roby, who could very easily step into the slot. So, Jordy, this is still a very, very good secondary. But Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is a fan favorite. There was no doubt about it. So, of course, it's going to sting among the fan base. Uh you're right, um, but it is what it is. Business is business. Mickey Loomis gets paid to to not lose money for Gail Benson, and Dennis Allen gets paid to win games for Gail Benson. So right. they're working on it. I was surprised, I, and I haven't seen all the cuts, but the Saints waived wide receiver Kirk Merritt. I really thought he had a chance to make this team because of special teams play, um, but not so the case. Were you surprised at all by that? Yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, and you know, with within the last few minutes, as you and I were coming on the air, uh, there, there there's a couple more surprises that'll be coming. Oh, uh, but okay. uh, but yeah, you know, Kirk, yeah, I'll have breaking news for you. Uh, okay. But and Kirk, Kirk Merritt did surprise me a little bit. I expected the Saints to keep six wide receivers. Uh, they did do so. Uh, but I expected that six to be a developmental guy, a guy that could play special teams like Kirk Merritt. Uh, and Kirk, as you pointed out, he was you know sharp in, uh, in training camp. He had a very, very rock-solid preseason. Uh, I would expect that he 
he'll be a very viable practice squad candidate if he clears waivers. So if you're a Kirk Merritt fan and if you're a Saints oh. fan, keep your fingers crossed over the next 24 so. I don't think so either. I don't think that's going to be the so case. Either. Um, do you believe, he, you know, we heard the soundbite from Dennis Allen. This is a tough week. Things happen. Yeah. Do you think the Saints are done with trading? Or do you think there's another possibility or two that they may dangle out there to, to try and maybe shore up an offensive line or a defense? I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I do think that there'll be another trade or two coming. Uh, <clears throat> I thought Taco Charlton would be a guy that could be on the trading block, given the depth of the Saints defensive line and the premium that the league puts on pass rushers. But Taco got cut uh, you know, just a handful of minutes ago. Oh. Uh, yeah, so th- that that's out of the realm of possibility. I still believe, and I said this early in the summer, I believe that the Saints – could very well deal one of their veteran wide receivers, be it Traquan Smith, Marquez Calloway, or even Deontay Hardy. The Hardy possibility, I think, is probably off the table now uh, because the Saints also waived uh, you know, return specialist Rashid Shahid. Uh, you know, but that still remains. The Saints do currently have six wide receivers. They did not cut Traquan Smith. They did not cut Marquez Calloway. So given the, uh, the the concerns, especially at the depth along that offensive line, I would not be at all surprised if they are making calls around the league. Hey, what can you give us for Traquan Smith? Or, hey, what can you give us for Marquez Calloway? Uh, I said from the beginning that I did not think both of those players would be on the active roster. And as we sit here uh, on Tuesday afternoon, they both still are. All right, Bob Rose, let's go over because I'm looking now. Um, the Saints had to get uh, 21 players off the books to get to their 53-man roster. We mentioned C.J. Gardner-Johnson, offensive lineman Josh Andrews. Mm-hmm. Not going to carry three quarterbacks. Ian Book was uh, was waived today, as was wide receiver Dejon Dixon, Kirk Merritt. You mentioned Taco Charlton. Uh, defensive end Nico Lalos. Um, offensive lineman Derek Swiger. Linebacker Nephi Sewell, defensive back Demarcus Fields, defensive tackle Jordan Johnson, Jackson. Anybody else uh, kind of surprised? John Bostic. I thought maybe he had a shot at the linebacker position, but not the case. Uh, so did I. In fact, not only John Bostic, but Eric Wilson uh, also yeah. got waived. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which means yeah, that that's a good sign if you're worried about the health of Pete Werner, uh, but that's an absolutely awful sign if you are, like I am, concerned about the Saints linebacking depth. That means that the Saints linebacking core, as we sit here right now, uh, Demario Davis, no worries there. Pete Werner, no worries as long as he's healthy. Caden Ellis, solid on early downs. And then Zach Bond, again, I'll scratch my head for all the Saints nation. Uh, <laughs> Andrew Dowell and, uh, and Chase Hansen. Give me, give me. Um, you mentioned uh, a plethora of wide receivers that you could make a trade, and you mentioned uh, some others. Um, what, what's out there? What, what, what position group is it? The linebacker group that you need to shore up, or is there something else that's missing on this club? I still, if I'm the Saints, if I'm Dennis Allen, I still look at shoring up that offensive line. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, that's priority number one. Again, yeah, the starting five. I, I'm I'm good with uh, you know Throckmorton is a solid sixth guy on the interior, uh, but if something happens to one of those tackles, land uh, excuse me uh, James Hurst or Ryan Ramchek, 
you got Landon Young to turn to, uh, but it, then absolutely nothing after that. So, yeah, I'm looking to shore up my offensive line right now, uh, A. And B, I look to shore up the linebacking core. That depth still scares me. As I know it does you, that's been a concern of yours all offseason. I thought it was one that was alleviated with the signing of Eric Wilson. And then again, yeah, even more so with uh, with John Bostic. Now, look, either one of these guys can come back. They're not done making moves. They're going to be a whole bunch of shuffling between now and September 10th, the day before they face Atlanta. Uh, I was just surprised that Bostic and Wilson were both moved. I had I had them both on my final roster. Uh, yeah, I did too. Uh, I, I really did. Um, but we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, they can bring them back, like you mentioned. So th- this is far, 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 far from over. And it's always curious to me, who do the Saints want to keep on their practice squad? Give give me some names of the ones that are cut that you think they, they're going to go, hey, we, we want you, and we want you. I, I would guess Ian Book, if they if he clears waivers, do they want him back? I certainly believe so, Jordy. Uh, you know, Ian Book, after what we saw the Saints go through last year at the quarterback position, you know, uh, 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 running through four different players, uh, you got to feel confident with Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton as your one, too. Uh, but if something, God forbid, happens to them, you absolutely need to have not only an arm that you can depend on, uh, but someone who knows your system. And that's why I think that's also why I think they signed K.J. Costello. Uh, yeah, even you know, even though K.J. was touted as a, a as an extra arm in practice, that's still a guy that you could turn to in a pinch that at least knows your system if you were down to bare bones emergency. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Ian Book is absolutely a candidate for the practice squad. And you have an emergency quarterback right on your roster in Taysom Hill, too. Uh, but you, you need some kind of veteran assurance at that position. And Ian Book at least gives you some knowledge of the system. All right. Um, so the big news, C.J. Gardner-Johnson to Philly. We both agree the compensation, eh, but business is business. Who, who fills in in that slot? Uh, slot cover role that C.J. Gardner-Johnson always handled so well? You got to believe that the first choice is going to be Bradley Roby, okay. uh, the guy with you know, veteran starting experience. In fact, was a starter on one of the best secondaries in our time, uh, mm-hmm. That you know, the Super Bowl 50 Broncos squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, the coaches really love Elante Taylor, and I can certainly see why. Uh, you know, we've seen Tyron Matthew and Marcus May cover the slot throughout their career. Uh, so if they, you know, if the uh, defensive coaches move either one of those guys into the slot uh, against those multi-receiver packages, uh, you know, Justin Evans at least showed to me like he is perfectly capable of taking on a deep safety role, whether it's uh, a two deep or a single high safety role, uh, you know, while May or Matthew move into the slot. So there's still a lot of flexibility in that secondary, but the first guy's got to be Bradley Roby. All right, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. We'll take a timeout. We'll continue the black and gold report, get his thoughts on what he saw in the final preseason game as the Saints now target the Atlanta Falcons on September the 11th with the season opener. And and his thoughts on Tom Brady. What, what the heck's going on there? Uh, that's all coming your way after this timeout. The Jordy Helpert Show in the game. 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles. You're home for the Tigers and the Astros in southwest Louisiana. 
We are back at 37 minutes after the hour with the Black and Gold Report from uh, the Saints News Network's Bob Rose. He's kind enough to join us each and every Tuesday. So it's cut down week, uh, but it's also a chance for the Saints to get healthy to uh, and to get prepared for their season opener. Here's one more soundbite from Dennis Allen when asked, how are you guys going to handle this particular week? A little bit of it is trying to... Uh you know, get our bodies back a little bit. You know, there's still some things that we need to work on in terms of just, you know, ourselves. I think as we start to, you know, get closer to the end of the week, we'll, we'll turn our attention a little bit more to the opener. But uh, but we're going we're gonna, to, you know, cut back a little bit in terms of the physical activity, ramp up the mental activity a little bit and, and try to get them back. Okay, Bob. Um, mental activity is 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 good. Injuries are always um, of concern. Trevor Penning, a little turf toe, toe he's going to require surgery. So there goes some depth on that offensive line. Yeah, uh, and yeah, that that's the thing about that I hate about preseasons the most. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, coaches and players feel the same way. Uh, our injuries. Uh, I I agreed with Dennis Allen's decision to give the starting units on each side, most of the starting units on each side, uh, at least a dress rehearsal. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know, Penning had improved through, in my view, through each of the pre- three preseason games uh, and to get hurt with friendly fire. And that happens in sports. You know that sure. uh, it's, it's, it's a bitter pill to swallow, uh, especially at such a tenuous position to begin with. Uh, yeah, we certainly wish the young man speedy recovery, uh, but yeah, man, he would have, he would have looked good in that lineup. You know, even if he wasn't a starter, as a sixth offensive lineman. So that one hurts. I, I'm curious, and I, I don't know if you've been asked this question before, but I'm always intrigued by when there's a new head coach and 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 some of the coaching staff is shuffled around and this type of other, how, how they function on the sideline, how quickly they get plays sent in uh, to the quarterback, how quickly they, the substitutions come, how organized are they? Uh, what have you what have you discerned from the Saints coaching staff through these preseason games? I tell you what, I like what I see offensively. Uh, and yeah, that that's where my concern was because yeah, mm-hmm. as we know for so many years, Sean Payton uh, was the one who had the you know the the first middle and final say uh, in what happened yeah. with that unit. Uh, yeah. and it was it, it was very pleasant to see how smooth uh, yeah, that the unit ran, you know, not so much with Ian Book because you had a bunch of third and fourth stringers right. around him, uh, right. but with Andy Dalton and especially that series with Jameis Winston. Uh, we'll see if that continues on into the regular season opener, but I'm certainly encouraged by what I saw so far. Uh, yeah, defensively, with so many great minds on that staff, uh, I, I had been intrigued from the start to see, all right, who's going to have the final play, uh, yeah, a play decision? when it comes to defensive calls and especially in big situations. I don't know that we have an answer to that yet because so many teams play such vanilla defenses, uh, you know, during the preseason. Uh, but yeah, with the brain trust that they have, uh, you know, between Dennis Allen, Chris Richard and, you know, Ryan Nielsen, and, you know, not to mention the position coaches too. Right, right. Uh, I feel pretty confident that that unit will, uh, will continue to hum along very smoothly. Yeah. I didn't see much of a, much of a difference. I, I thought they were organized. I thought they got things mm-hmm. in. I thought they looked like a team that knew what knew what they were doing. Um, you mentioned the offense and how, man, they just clicked. It was great to see uh, Winston and Kamara and the receiving core. Um 
of importance to me was seeing Jameis Winston look like he was healthy. You know? Yeah, I'll tell you what, he looked great. Uh, and you know, again, you, know, you, you don't want you don't want to book your trip for the Super Bowl on you know, four throws and one drive. Right. Uh, but yeah, if, if there's a guy that looked in midseason form uh, you know, on just four, you know, four pass attempts, it was Jameis Winston. And, um, you know, for anybody like myself that cannot wait to see how Winston and you know, all those new receivers uh, you know, and that strength and receiving core, how they hum together. Uh, I think going against Atlanta and a defense that's projected to struggle this year, I think that's the perfect opener for them. Uh, I'm really anxious to see what they can do, uh, but they they all look great. Uh, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Um, and, and again, it's so hard to to pinpoint because you're only playing your starters for a minimum amount of time, and you know it just it just doesn't matter the preseason. Uh, this is a veteran club. We talked about the offensive line and some concerns there. The starting unit is is good. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, are you are you sold on? I mean, it seems to me a depth issue on the offensive line, and and how much do you, can you count on the depth of the defensive line? That those are the things that concern me a little bit. Take me off the cliff on these, please. <laughs> Uh, you you bring up an interesting point, an underrated point about the defensive line. Uh, I don't think there's any concerns about Cam Jordan, David Onyemata, Marcus Davenport when he's on the field. We know right. what those guys can do. Uh, but yeah, that that de- those backup defensive linemen really struggled against the run, in my opinion, and during all three games yeah. uh, and in both scrimmages against the Packers. They're going to have to show me something. Uh, yeah, and uh, maybe part of run defense is desire. Uh, you know, you really want to have to stop the other team. Uh, and, you know, you're talking about established veterans and preseason games. They they know what the deal is. They know those games don't count. So maybe they turn, ramp, ramp up that intensity a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I love Carl Granderson along the edge. Uh, you know, Peyton Turner had some up and down moments. I, th- I But all in all, Jordy, I wouldn't have any significant worries about the defensive line. I still think that this is going to be a fine unit. Uh, you know, with a bunch of versatility and a lot of disruptive ability, uh, you know, up front. Uh, it's the offensive line that scares me a lot more. Uh, yeah, not so much James Hurst as the starting left tackle. I think, you know, as long as Hurst, who's dealing with a foot injury of his own, as long as he's healthy, they have a quality starter there. Uh, but if that unit starts to get a little bit nicked up, like we saw last year, uh, you know, outside of Calvin Throckmorton, there's absolutely, uh, you know, there's absolutely zero proven quality depth behind them. I know the coaches love Landon Young, and I could see why. He's got a lot of raw ability, right. uh, but he's still real inconsistent. Uh, and outside of that, you know, at, at least if I'm reading right, uh, you know, they're keeping an undrafted uh, rookie, Lewis Kidd, uh, who's had some nice moments, uh, but you know, that that's their offensive line depth right now. You cannot feel secure about that. You know, not, not when you need to unleash Alvin Kamara on defenses, not when you need your quarterback with a surgically repaired knee, uh, you know, by the way, uh, you know, to stand up and have time in the pocket to go through his progressions. Uh, you know, this offensive line, I, you know, the starters, Starters are going to gel very quickly. I'm not worried about that. But like we said, if there's a little bit of injury concerns, uh, yeah, when an offensive lineman always has them, uh, yeah, that, that's when this team could run into a lot of trouble. 
Rob Rose, Saints News Network here with the Black and Gold Report. I got to get into it, it, it. The Saints are picked second in their own division behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers simply because of Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Brady uh, admitted on Saturday night that he has a lot of, sh- you know what, going on in his personal life. He's 45 years old. He was away from the Bucks for more than 10 days dealing with a, a personal issue, and it doesn't seem to, doesn't appear to be resolved. What is your takeaway on, on Tom Brady? He looks different. He's acting different. He just looks like a different dude to me. Yeah, he does. Uh, it, it looked like when Tom, Tom Brady came back from his sabbatical or whatever you want to call it, uh, yeah, that he was replaced by a stunt double. Uh, yeah, he, he, he didn't look like the same guy. Didn't sound like the same guy. No. He, it, he looked defeated. And he yes. He defeated. I've never seen him like that. Yeah, uh, defeated is a great word. I was searching for the word myself, but that's a great word. Uh, and, and even in his tone of voice, he sounds like a guy that doesn't want to be there. Uh, am I reading too much into that, Jordy? I think you know, maybe as a Saints fan, I hope that he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't see the same intensity uh, you know, that we've seen for Tom Brady for what over the last twenty something years. I watch him come out and have the greatest year of his career. Who knows, right? But it just yeah. it's so odd. And this thing was was planned before camp even started. So I'm just I have I, look. I'm not about to begin to speculate and that's his life and that's his business and that's that he's got to deal with that we all have issues but man it just was odd 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 to say the very very least um do you think this do you think he is that great that this does nothing to them or I mean, their offensive line is kind of beat up as well. So they got to protect this guy. I, I don't I'm not sold on the Bucks, man. I'm not. No, me either. And I've been watching that offensive line of Tampa Bay very, very closely. And like you said, they keep going down like flies. Uh, you know, it's it's what the Saints went through along their offensive line last year. Uh, and, you know, Tom, Tom Brady was never the most escapable guy and never right? had the best escapability in the world. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to be very interested to see what transpires with that team uh, in week two. And no, they don't look like the powerhouse that they've always been. In in your power rankings, where do you have the Saints in the in the NFC? Mm, oh wow, that's a good question because I'm I'm not wavering from my stance that this. I believe that this team is a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Huh. Uh, I have them at 12 and five, and I have them winning the NFC South. Uh, I put in in the NFC specifically. Yep. I'd put them at number three right now. Rams, uh, Rams, and uh, I begrudgingly, I begrudgingly say the Packers. Uh, and you know, I, I I will put New Orleans just above Tampa Bay, who I I think is a Super Bowl contender too, just mm-hmm. above Tampa Bay and San Francisco. Uh, but really, yeah. You know, the Rams are head and shoulders above, uh, and then the rest of those top five, you pretty much throw in a hat. It's that close. You mentioned San Francisco. Were you surprised that Jimmy Garoppolo signing a one-year deal with a bunch of little caveats to it? I mean, they've ended that drama for, for a year. Right. I was intrigued. Uh, I was intrigued. And, and you know, the, the Garoppolo scenario, situation – uh, it reached a point where, you know, both you and I, Jordy, agreed that it reached a point of the offseason that you know, we didn't expect him to go anywhere. 
you know, once uh, you know, once the Baker Mayfield and Deshaun Watson situations got resolved as far as what teams they'd be playing on, that pretty much sealed off all potential outlets for Jimmy Garoppolo. So unless a quarterback goes down in the first couple of weeks of the NFL training camp or uh, NFL season, excuse me, uh, you know, before the trade deadline, uh, I, I wasn't surprised to see this. Uh, but I, I was intrigued. It shows a lot of selflessness on Jimmy Garoppolo's part to be willing to restructure his deal. Uh, and, you know, he was told going in, look, you're going to be the backup. Trey Lance is the guy we're going with. Uh, you know, I just I thought it showed a lot of selflessness uh, and and a team concept on Garoppolo's part. Good for him. We don't see that much. Yeah, nowadays. Does it make you wonder about Lance? And maybe the Niners are saying, mm, we're not so sure we got a good team. When mm, I don't know. Well, you and I have wondered about Lance all along, so why shouldn't they? Uh, you know, uh, uh, unless something weird happens and Garoppolo gets moved because a quarterback somewhere got injured, it would not shock me if Jimmy Garoppolo started at least a handful of games for the 49ers this year. Yeah. Lance is still a very, very unproven you. commodity. I'm with you. In the meantime, he gets to hold the clipboard, not get hurt, and collect some money and f- figure out where he's going to play the following season. So he's only 30 years old. What I mean, 30, 31 years old, so he's got plenty of time left. We'll see. All right, so we learned who the Saints cut. Uh, we learned that, you know, C.J. Gardner-Johnson maybe wasn't as coveted by others as maybe the Saints fans thought he might be. And there may be another trade or two coming down the pipeline. That, according to to Bob Rose of the Saints News Network, and why would we doubt him? Bob, <laughs> Tuesdays are always great, man. Thank you so much. Next week, we'll talk about those dirty birds and uh, with their new quarterbacks and their issues. Man, I-, I like the Saints in their opener. So anyway, thank you, my friend. My pleasure, my friend. You have a terrific week. You got it. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. <laughs> Tune in next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. By the way, it's almost over. A new football season's about to begin and get ready for the NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up seven, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly even if your team loses. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code 1037GAME only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in money line bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at DraftKings.com slash football 
terms. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. All right. Special thanks to our guest today, Matthew Bruni, covering the LSU Tigers. Corey Diaz covering the Raging Cajuns. Blake Lavelle with a look into week one of SEC football. And Bob Rose of the Saints News Network talking about the black and gold in the black and gold report. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, it was real, but now you're a Philadelphia Eagle, so we don't like you anymore. Plain and simple. If today is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with uh, a Shreveport legend, went to Centenary, and then went to the Boston Celtics. Happy 69th birthday to the Chief. Robert Parrish. Astros take our place tomorrow. We'll be back Thursday better than ever. James, thank you so much. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. Until next time, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. So long, everybody.